Anyway, so welcome everybody here at our main campus. Uh, welcome to you guys that are joining us online. So real quick, before we get into uh, the Revelation series that we've been doing, we're going to go over our giving slide. So one of the things that we've changed uh, going into this year is instead of doing it monthly, we're going to do it quarterly um, so that you guys can get a bigger picture perspective on what we're doing. And so first quarter giving, we'll go ahead and put that up there. So first quarter, that was our budget, uh, 171270 and then our giving to the general fund, over budget for the quarter, over budget for the year, and 22 new givers. And so, again, that's something for us to be able to celebrate uh, together as a church. Um, for multiple different reasons, um, one we've you know we've always said that you know part of the reflection of all of us trying to get life figured out is knowing what to do with our possessions and what God's given us as a stewardship, and so it's just a reflection of more people understanding that what God's given us is that we need to give back and be able to uh, be a part of what God is doing. And again, I don't know if any of you guys have been here during the weeks. So if you've never been at you know the Cafe of Hope or Champs Academy during the week and see. What happens in here all week long, it's pretty amazing, and it continues to grow um, week after week. And so you guys understanding that, like, this is a community center, and we want to keep using it for the community seven days a week, and that type of giving makes it possible for us to continue to give back. Uh, so we as a church just want to say thank you for that, and thank you for, you know, your investment into uh, Life Church and the ministry that we're doing there. So if you have a Bible, turn to Revelation 6. So in this, so uh, I'll catch you up. So if you're new with us this week, we've been doing, uh, we've been just going through the book of Revelations. We're going to go all the way through and teach all the way through the book of Revelations. So the storyline that's been going on is we had the seven churches and then we got to the point where John was in the throne room of heaven. And then after he was in the throne room of heaven, it came to the place where there was a scroll, right? Some of what we just sang about, right? So there was a scroll and only one person was worthy to open up that scroll. That was Jesus. And so we're at this place, then you're sitting here with a scroll and on that scroll was seven seals, right? Now, this is a pretty transitional time. Right, for a couple different reasons. So in this, it marks the beginning of the end, right? So that's what the seven seals are. It marks the beginning of the end. So when the seals start to be open, it's a guarantee to those people that are on the earth, the end is near, right? So once the seals are broken, it's like you can be prepared for the end coming. And again, the end being the second coming of Christ, Right? So we had the first coming of Christ, you know, that, that we celebrated, you know, Christmas, his birth. We celebrate his resurrection on Easter Sunday. And the point is that he went and sat at the right hand of the Father, but he's coming back. Right? So it marks this introduction into or a preparation into Jesus is coming back. And here's the theme. Right? The theme is you better be ready. Right? Like that's the theme. The theme of opening up the seals is to say... When these seals start to be opened, the question that you should ask yourself is, are you ready, right? And are you prepared for what is to come? Now, I don't know where you guys stand in all of this or what you've been taught before, but there's a lot of different theories on this whole idea of what's called the seven-year tribulation. So if you've been in Revelation studies or you've listened to people talk about Revelations, this is kind of a toss-up for a lot of people, and the toss-up is, if are you, as a Christian, a part of the seven-year tribulation, right? So that's a question that a lot of people ask. Are you a part of the seven-year tribulation? And people have theories one way or the other, but we're going to stick with this, right? And if you want to get in an in-depth conversation with me about it, we can talk about it, but we're going to follow the timeline of Revelation, right? Here's how the timeline of Revelation goes. John is taken up into heaven, and he says, this is how it's going to work, you know, is, is that the Revelation 5 says that Jesus is able to open up the scrolls. Revelation 6 says tribulation starts. Nowhere between Revelations 5 and 6 does it say you're going to be gone. Okay? There's nothing inside of there that says, okay, as a church, you're going to leave and everybody else is going to suffer. Right? So the thought process is we can go back and forth and we can talk about it. And I love to sit down and have an in-depth discussion about how people land on each one of those things. But what I really want you to get is not to get caught up in that. 
Because the Olivet Discourse, okay, so if you go back to the New Testament, so we're looking in Revelation 6, if you go back to Matthew 24, it's called the Olivet Discourse. So the Olivet Discourse is essentially an introduction into this idea that Jesus was telling them, these are some things that are going to happen, and you need to be ready, right? So in that, Jesus does the same thing. He says, here's some signs of the end of the age. You need to be prepared. And then he goes on in Matthew 25 and he says this, and if you're not prepared, this is what happens, right? So here's what we're going to do over the next few weeks, right? So it might be a little confusing, but I want to tie all of this together because for the people back then that were reading Revelation 6, they would have thought of Matthew 24. They would have tied all of this together, right? They would have understood that these two concepts go together. And so what we're going to do is study the, the opening of the first six seals today, right? So we're going to talk about the opening of the first six seals. Next week, we're going to go back into Matthew 24 and 25, right, to see what Jesus was saying about the signs of the end of the age. And then he gives us three different parables of people that some were ready and some weren't, right? And the reason that I want to do this is because if I'm saying to you, because this is what Revelation 6 is saying, once the seals are opening, you should know the signs. And you know why you should know the signs and why you should be watching and why you should be waiting. Because if you don't, there will be people that will be deceived and they will miss it. Are we all, I can't see you, but I'm hoping you're all tracking. <laughs> because this is a big deal, right? I'm telling you, like, this is a huge deal. He, because throughout scripture, in Matthew 24, he specifically says this, you need to be watching and you need to be ready, right? You need to know the signs. Now, the problem I think that we have today is, is that I don't even know if we know the signs. And if we do know the signs, we're trying to predict the end instead of getting ready, right? So we're trying to say, what's the date, you know? So everybody, somebody pick the date of when it's all going to be over. What I think Jesus is saying to you that are in here today, you should know them and you should be prepared because once we start studying Revelation 6, here's what you're going to see. Remember when we talked about in the New Testament, it talks about wide is the road that leads to destruction and how many people are on the wide road? Many. You know why there are many people on the wide road? Because they're deceived, right? Like that's the idea. So the idea of Revelation 6 and what I want you to walk away with is I don't want you to be a church or a people that gets deceived. Because there's a reality that it's going to happen to people that are in the church, going to church every week, are going to be deceived and led astray, right? We see that um, throughout Revelation. So our preparation over these next three weeks is going to say, you need to be prepared. You need to understand the signs. And here's the other thing that I'm going to tell you, because I think this is a scary part that we're in today. That's why, you know, over the past couple of weeks, when I've been praying about preaching this message, it's felt like as weighty as anything that we've done for years. And here's part of the reason is that generationally, we have a generation of young people that not only would they not know the signs, they don't even know the Bible. And we're not teaching them. Anybody? Right? Like, we aren't saying, like, the reason that you should know Scripture is to be ready. Because get prepared, because younger generation, you're going, you are living now and are going to be living in the most deceptive time in all we've ever seen, right? Like, in any time that we've ever seen, you are going to be living through deception in a way. And the reason is, is because you can be deceived through multiple different channels, you know what I mean? Like, it used to be us old people, we only had a few channels, right? <laughs> we didn't have all of these places that could lead you astray. So it was a small market to get to us. Do you know how many channels you have to get deceived? Your phone, the internet, anything that you want to search, anything that you want to do. And anybody that wants to, through any other type of social media, can get to you because you're readily available. That true? Right, so there is this coming, so here's what I'm gonna say. Get prepared, and, prepare, and parents, prepare your kids, right? I've always said, if we're gonna make this right, you can't forget the generation behind you, 
If you forget the generation behind you, we're only one generation from being gone, right? It's only one generation away from being extinct. So that's the setup for where we're going. So let's go to, to Revelation 6 and let's look at uh, what he's saying in Revelation 6. Just like we've always done, I'm going to read all the way through it. And then once I read all the way through it, then we're going to break it down. So this is Revelation 6, starting in verse 1. It says, I watched as the lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, Come. I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out uh, as a conqueror bent on conquest. When the lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come, then another horse came out, a fiery red one, and its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make people kill each other. To him was given a large sword. When the lamb opened up the third seal, I heard the th uh, third living creature say, Come, and I looked, and there before me was a black horse, and its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. Then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, Two pounds of wheat for a day's wages, and six pounds of barley for a day's wages, and do not damage the oil and the wine. When the lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the four living creatures say, Come, and I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death, and Hades was falling close behind him. They were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony that they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, how long, sovereign God, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed just as they had been. I watched as he opened the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth, made of goat hair, and the whole moon turned blood red. And the stars in the sky fell to the earth, and the figs dropped from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The heavens receded like a scroll being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth and the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and everyone else, both slave and free, hid in the caves among the rocks of the mountains. They called, to, they called to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come and who can stand it? So he gives us this picture. If you've heard Revelation talk is there's the four horse apocalypse. So part of the first judgment is by what's called the four horse apocalypse. Four horses come riding out. Each one of the seals, you know, is represented by a horse and each one of them brings a judgment, right? And remember the reason that, that Christ is bringing judgment on the earth is he's going through again, preparing for when he comes back, right? So when it's all over, right? Judging those again, who aren't believers and who don't want to become believers and giving opportunity, this is the other point, for people who have been deceived to get clarity, right? That's going to happen. Those two things are happening. Judgment is coming because this is what we know. If, we, if people see this as Jesus is coming back, it's not just the whole world's going to be wiped out, but it's an opportunity for people to get saved too. Right, So if you see it and people see like he's coming, you know how there's always this sense of urgency when you know the end is coming? Have you ever seen people like that? I know it's not the way that it should be, but it's human nature, isn't it? Human nature says when you know the end, you tend to be more urgent about the present. Right, So this idea is that Jesus is saying when the scrolls are open and the four horse apocalypse starts to ride out, if you know it and you see it and you understand it, people are going to say the end is near. I need to be urgent about my job today. Anybody? Right, like you got to be urgent because the end is coming. And so the four horse apocalypse comes out. Then two more seals are open. One is religious persecution, which we're going to talk about today, and then uh, natural calamity. Right, like tons of things in the world just going bad. So we're going to go back, break down each one of them, and see what we can learn from that. So here's the first one. So let's go back to the first seal that was open. So back to Revelation six it says, "I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals." Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, come, and I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out 
uh, as a conqueror bent on conquest. So the first seal that's open, and you're going to see this throughout the time of all of Revelations. The first seal that's open is the entering of the Antichrist. Okay? And so again, if you don't, I want to make sure that I, when I'm saying these things, I don't want to talk just in Christian lingo. If you've not heard of the Antichrist, the Antichrist is somebody who rise up inside of the world, bent on conquest. This is the important thing. So he says he has a crown, so we know that he will be a world leader or looked at as a world leader, looked at somebody who is uh, and ushers in something and has authority, right? So we know that it will be some sort of a world leader, and the reason that he's come as a, and named the Antichrist is because you know the conquest that he's been on? This is the conquest, not to take over the world. He wasn't Hitler, right? His conquest was to lead people astray. It's his final opportunity to take people inside of this world and lead them away from Christ. That's why he's called the Antichrist. So when that seal is opened, and you're going to see this happening throughout all of Revelations, the thing that the Antichrist does is through deception, that's the biggest part that he uses, through deception, he's going to lead people astray, right? He's going to lead people down a path and away from Christ. And for many people, this is what Revelation is going to talk about it. They're going to usher themselves into hell by following him and never know it. They're going to think that they're on the right path because they think that they're following a leader who now has become their Messiah. Does that make sense? Right? And it seems weird, right, that, that we people on this earth would follow a false Messiah. But let me give you a picture of this. You see, the Jews didn't accept Jesus because they had an idea of what a Messiah, the Messiah that they wanted right? They want a Messiah that did what? Conquered Rome, right? So what were they looking for? A Messiah that conquered Rome. So when Jesus came, they couldn't recognize him because they were believing in a false Messiah, right? One that, again, when, when you read the scripture, this is what's so funny. Like, we read it and we say, why in the world was the Jews looking for somebody who would conquer Rome? Because that's not what scripture says, Right? I mean, that's not what Scripture says, that Jesus was coming to conquer Rome. So how does somebody get so deceived? Because that's how Satan works, right? Satan takes what you want and kind of twists it together, you know, with the whole Jesus model, and he puts something together and say, here's your false Messiah. Now, we think that that's weird. We think, oh, we'll never look for a false Messiah. But just so you understand, the Jews were looking for one, and so are we. You know how I know that? Because you know how many people walk away from Jesus when their Messiah didn't meet their need? I was looking for a Messiah that cured, fixed, made better, and when it didn't, what happens? I mean, we see this all the time, right? When, when suffering and things come into the world, your money, your kids, your health, your loved ones, right? What happens when, that, when those things happen in a lot of people's life? What do they do? They're followers, they're in church, but then all of the sudden this happens and then what's it pushes away from, right? What do, what do a lot of people walk away from? The Messiah, why? Because again, in our theory today, and I'm not even saying that, you know, this isn't, you know, at different times with each one of us, something that we all struggle with because we wanted a Messiah that healed. We want a Messiah that fixed. We want a Messiah that you could fill it in the blank, Right? And because this Messiah, because just remember, is that the Messiah, is anywhere in Scripture did Jesus say he would be that Messiah? No, he says, here's, what I'm gonna, here's where I'm coming back. You know why Jesus was coming back? To do one thing. To make it so you could have a relationship with God. It was the thing broken in the beginning, right? What was broken in the beginning? Adam and Eve sinned, and what got broke? A relationship with God. Why did Jesus come back? To fix a relationship with God. Not to fix your marriage, not to heal all of your sickness, not to make your kids not run away, not to make your kids not rebellious, not to make all your finances good, and for sure, not to make you comfortable. But you know how many people inside of the church are following that Messiah and not the true Messiah? 
Are we still here? Because this is really important. I'm just telling you, and the reason I say this is because the deception that people, that the Antichrist is going to use is he's going to play off of your false Messiah later on to lead you astray. You want this? Guess what I can give you? You know what the Antichrist is going to be able to give you? He's going to be able to do signs and wonders and he's going to heal. He's going to be able to take a one world government and one world power and give you money. He's going to be able to give you free health care. He's going to be able to give you, just you want to go down the list of the things that you want? He's going to be able to give you peace and harmony, right? He's going to bring and usher in all of these things, right? Because that's the, the, the entering in of the Antichrist. You know why he gets put in power? It's because he becomes everybody's Messiah. That's how he gets there. I mean, how else does somebody raise up into power? Because he fix, fixes the problems that the world wants fixed, and we all start looking at him like, and we start to worship. That's what happens, right? That's how an antichrist can come into a world and lead people astray because those types of things happen. So the setup of this is so important because for us, we need to be prepared, right? And we need to call out. I mean, let's just be honest. We need to call out in the church when you're following a false messiah because, listen, people are watching. You know how I said we should train our kids? Train them to follow the Jesus that's in Scripture, not the Jesus that's in culture. Because this is what's happened, and I'm just telling you, we're trying to train our kids up to follow the cultural Jesus and not the real Jesus, right? And I'm afraid for a generation of people that all of a sudden a Messiah is going to come in and fix all of their generational problems, and they're going to look at him and be like, that, see, this is what we've been waiting for. Somebody that will finally fix what my parents messed up. Have you ever heard that before from your kids? <laughs> I want to finally, all you guys screwed it all up. But this guy, he gets it all right. And you know how many young people are going to flock to that if they don't know? Uh, too many and everyone, I would agree. You know why? You haven't told them any different. You haven't told them any different. You haven't taught them anything different. So our responsibility, understanding of the opening up of the first seal, is there is an Antichrist coming. And he's going to usher in a time of messiahship. And the reason that he can usher in a time of messiahship is because he's answering the world's problems, right? Because let's just be honest, a lot of things have happened even over the past five years. A lot of people are looking for answers. Amen? A lot of people are looking for answers. A lot of people are going down these roads trying to figure it out. And if somebody could give our answers, give them answers. If you don't know what to watch for, I'm afraid too many people are going to run to just that. Somebody will give them the answer. So that's the first one. Rides in on a white horse, bent on conquest. And the biggest conquest that he can get, because he knows he doesn't win at the end, is leading people astray. So the greatest thing that we have to do is not be deceived, teach people not to be deceived, understand the signs of the end of the age so you can know and be prepared. Okay? Here's the next thing that he says. Verse three, when the lamb opened the second seal, I heard a second living creature say, come. Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make people kill each other. To him was given a large sword. So after peace, ushered in by a messiahship that's gonna give us everything that we want and the world's gonna be in harmony, now all of a sudden a fiery red horse comes, comes uh, railing in and riding in. And when he comes riding in, war happens. And then did you notice what it says? War is going to happen, and he's going to make people kill each other, right? What would make people kill each other? Think about this. Like, what would get you to the place where we're in peace and harmony and comfort and all these things are going well, and then all of a sudden that breaks with war, and this war causes people to kill each other, and we're going to see that this isn't just small scale. This is going to be in your small towns. This isn't going to be just far away. Like, this is going to be happening to lots of people, and lots of people are going to experience it. You know what I think? I think the reason that you can go from peace to war and people killing each other because you will fight for and kill over what you worship and love. Whatever he gave you, somebody's now gonna take away and you're gonna kill for it. 
Anybody with me, right? Like whatever that messiahship that you looked for, he gave it to you, and now all of a sudden somebody's coming in and taking it away from you, what are you gonna do? I'm gonna fight for my comfort. I'm gonna fight for my peace. I'm gonna fight for my money. I'm gonna fight for my whatever it is, right? Fill in the blank. And people will kill each other over like, you're not going to take this from me. Do you see how that all sets up? Right? It sets up in this way that he just prepares us for this time. Whatever you're worshiping, like that's what he's trying to get you to do. Right? What he's trying to get you to do is to worship something other than Jesus. Right? Because here's what we know if you're a worshiper of Jesus. You know, you know what we know here? Like back to foundational Christianity. You know what Jesus always tells you to do? Live with open hands. I'm going to give it and take it away. So don't be surprised when it comes and don't be surprised when it's taken away. So you're not going to fight over it or kill for it. Anybody? Right? What the Antichrist is going to teach you is you know what you got? Hold on to it with closed fists and fight for it. Right? And you're going to fight over it and you're going to kill people over it because the Antichrist, different than Christ, is going to teach you. You deserve it. You should have it and you should fight for it. And people are going to kill people over those things. So the second seal is that there's going to be war and that people are going to, again, be ushered in and they're going to be killing each other. Then he goes into verse 5 and he says this, when the lamb opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come. I looked and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. Then I heard that sound heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, two pounds of wheat for a day's wages and six pounds of barley for a day's wages and do not damage the oil and the wine. Here's the third horse, the black horse that comes riding in and it's the black horse of famine, right? So there was peace and now there is a war and now there is famine and he uses those scales to say, your money is not going to buy enough for you to eat. Okay, so that's what it says. So when we get to this time, you're going to have some money, but you're going to put it on a scale. And when you go to, in to buy food, you're not going to have enough money to be able to buy the needs that you have. Anybody been to the grocery store lately? I mean, I haven't, but Isaac goes to the grocery store and told me what things cost. And isn't it a little bit different how far your dollar goes today? Anybody that goes to the grocery? <laughs> right? I mean, these things that are happening, right? And this is just on a small scale. On a small scale right now, how far does your dollar go? You get less and it doesn't go very far. You put it on the scale. Yes, we have enough to be able to get it done. But at some point, your dollar is not going to have enough for you to be able to eat, right? That's just the reality of what's going to be happening. And famine and hunger brings on quite a um, response. You know what people do to get food? Anybody see that, right? The people that are hungry, you know what's gonna happen? Because when he talks about like the things that we should be prepared for and the things that we should know, and I'm just gonna put this out there so nobody think that I'm a doomsdayer, but I want you to start thinking about this, okay? So back when COVID happened, if you were in the animal industry, here's what you know. When COVID happened, there was a disruption in the food chain. Anybody that was in animal agriculture knows this. There's a disruption in the food chain because packing plants could not kill animals, right? So you know what a disruption in the food chain does whenever you can't kill animals and then those animals have to get euthanized? You know what happens to your meat supply? Anybody? Right, it goes, I mean, it goes down, it starts to go away. So, so this, that was just a blip, right? So COVID was just a blip. We saw all that happen. But for sure, it caused somewhat of a meat shortage, Right? You know what, the next thing that's happening is the war in Ukraine, right? So Ukraine, and again, all the farmers can correct me on this, but I think they're the fourth largest exporter of corn out of the Ukraine. What the guy said at men's group is not only are they not going to have it, they're not even going to get planted, right, because of the war. So now we see grain prices that are here, right, and input costs that are here. So you know what happens when grain prices and input costs go up? You know what happens to the guy feeding that animal that takes that grain? to be able to get it done. They stop raising those things. There's not only a shortage of grain, but there's also a shortage of people that's gonna raise that animal. So what do you think happens to your food supply? Anybody? <laughs> Am I making any sense? Like, these are small things. This is all I'm saying. You know why you're going to the grocery store today and your dollar's not going very far? Because of those little blips. And these are just little blips. This is a small, this is just Russia invading one country. Right, one place, and you're seeing on a global scale what's happening. Anybody? 
right? On a global scale, you're seeing it. And again, I'm just saying, if you want to start training, because think about this. Here's the other thing. You know what's happening even in Midwest America? Like if you can't go to the grocery store and get your food, how many kids today could ever figure out their food? Not very many, not very many. Think about it, right? Like generationally before, when you grew up on a farm, what did you learn? You had to raise your food, you had a garden, you know, you might've hated it, but you're out there with that stupid hoe and pulling weeds and you know what I mean? Like you were doing all these things and then we got busy because we needed to make money. How many people are doing it today? How many people know how to do any of that today? So what happens if you can't go to the grocery store? And, you, and again, I know people after this are just going to kill me because they're going to think, you're, you're saying the end of the world's coming? I'm, no, I'm just saying, listen, think about this for your young people, right? Think about this for your kids today. You know what's going to happen later on in Revelation? See now this food supply and famine's coming? And you know how there's an antichrist in place? And at some point in, in the story of Revelation says, for you to be able to buy food at a grocery store, you know what you're going to have to take? The mark of the beast. And if you take the mark of the beast, there ain't no going back. It's not like a faker. Like, I'll just put it on there and erasable pen, right? Like, if you do it and you use it, you are associating yourself. And I'm just saying like this. If your kids can't get food and don't know what to do with it, what's their other choice? Now, think about it. What happens when people get hungry? And they don't know how to do anything with food. People get desperate. Amen to anybody? Right? That's how it works. And so again, all I'm saying is in this whole idea, do you see how it's all setting up to work perfectly? Because generationally, we're making it easy for it to happen. Right? We're making it easy from a, a religious standpoint and from an understanding standpoint. We're making it easy from just a cultural standpoint. We're making it easy for this ushering in because, again, we're all prepared. We've been conditioned. We're at a place where, well, what else would you do? Right? Like we're setting all of those things up. So he says famine is going to happen and we need to be prepared for what we're going to be able to do when we understand it. Then he says in the land, open up the fourth seal and a divorce, a voice of the fourth living creature say, come. And I looked and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named death and Hades and falling close behind him. They were given power over a fourth, over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine and plague and by wild beasts on the earth. And so again, at this time, like 1.5 billion people during this is going to be, are going to be killed and they're going to be killed by plagues and famine and the sword. So there's going to be a lot of things happening where people, when the pale horse comes riding in, people are going to be able to die. So that's the four horse apocalypse. Then he goes into, after those judgments start to happen, here's what else is going to be happening in the world. Right? So he says in verse 9, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony that they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, how long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge their blood. To each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed just as they had been. So now ushers in the time of religious persecution. So I want to tie this together the best that I can. Religious persecution in the time of tribulation is just going to be just like religious persecution that's happening in the world today. So if you're familiar what's happening around the world in closed countries where Christianity is not accepted, this is what's happening. It's not that there's not church, okay? So in other countries, there's a church that you can go to that's sanctioned by the state, right? So the Chinese government, whatever these governments are, like they're going to make a church that's sanctioned by the state, and you can go to that one and you can be okay. The people that are persecuted are the people who are not falling into those things. Does that make sense? Right? So it's not a time of go to church, not go to church. It's come to the church where you will be deceived by the rulers of the government, where you can come and they'll teach what they want to teach, and you'll fall in line with those types of things. And then the church will be the church of Jesus. And the church of Jesus will be the one that will be persecuted. Now, why is that so important? Because if you don't teach and if we don't teach our young people what the signs are and the understanding of that, and all of a sudden this church pops up and this church is going to be in the discord that's going on in the world, is going to fix all of the problems and they don't see anything wrong with it, where are they going to go? To what's easiest. 
you know, it's going to be easy? Because in church in China, it's not easy to go. The church in closed countries, is it easy to go to church? No. Are the things readily available? No. You can go to the state-sanctioned church with no persecution. So it's no persecution or persecution. And if we don't teach our young people, because this is what we've been teaching young people for way too long, you know what you need to do is make your life comfortable. So what do you think they're going to do? What are they going to choose? Comfort over Jesus. I'm just telling you. Because they don't know. And they haven't been taught. And there's going to be a time where there's going to be a choice. And religious persecution is going to happen because people are going to choose Jesus over comfort. Anybody? Right? Like, this is what we got to get prepared for. This is what we got to know. We got to know that we know and our young people know you can't do this. This is a sign from the Antichrist. You need to do whatever it takes to not be a part of that because they'll have a choice to fit in. And I'm telling you, we're living in a world today that's pressuring young people to fit in. You're living culturally in a day where you've been taught in the church, if you don't fit in, you're a rebel. If you don't follow the rules, I mean, look at COVID. Look what happened through all of that. If you don't follow the rules, how are people looked at? As rebellious and going against and doing, you know what I mean? Like people in the church, looking at other people in the church. Persecution. At a small level, why? Because we just didn't fall in line. That's what it's gonna be. I'm just telling you, you know, this is the way it's gonna happen. If you don't fall in line, you're gonna be looked at as one of the rebels. You're gonna be looked at as one of the ones that are gonna be persecuted and all that. Then he goes on and he talks in verse 12 this. We watched as he opened the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake, and the sun turned back like sackcloth made of goat hair, and the whole moon turned blood red, and the stars in the sky fell to the earth, and figs dropped from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The heavens receded like a scroll being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. So there's natural calamity that's going to start to happen. And so the worship team is going to come back up, and we're going to end it up here. So there's big natural calamity that happens, I mean, again, this one wouldn't be hard to see, anybody, right? Like, this one isn't, there's not much like, hmm, I wonder if, like, the, the heavens rolling back like a scroll. I wonder what's going on, right? Like, this is something that you're going to be like, if I missed any of the first signs, pretty hard to miss this one, isn't it? Right? Pretty hard to miss what was going on inside of uh, of the natural calamity that's happening. And then he ends with this in verse 15. Because this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to be going on during this time. Then the kings of the earth and the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and everyone else, both slave and free, hid, hid in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For that great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand it? So this is a like this is a big question, right? Who can stand what's coming? Right? Who's going to be able to withstand the judgment that's coming? Don't miss this. You know who's going to be able to withstand it? Those who know the truth. You know who's hiding in the mountain? The people who don't. Right, who's hiding in the mountain, because here's what we know. <laughs> Isn't this what we can celebrate? Come on, like, if you were bored, let's make sure we celebrate this. You know what you get to celebrate in all of that time? If you stand on truth, what's the worst thing that could happen to you? Death, and you could go home, and you can celebrate, and you can be with the king, and you can worship, and you can praise, and you can, you know, you, you can be all a part of what's going on. The worst thing that could happen to us as believers is to be martyred. Remember back up in the religious persecution, the martyrs that were standing under the table calling out for justice, the worst thing that could happen to us. We stand for truth and we go home. We can stand there. We don't need to go to the mountains and hide. What do we need to hide from? What do we need to hide? We know the truth. We're gonna stand for the truth and we're gonna take whatever comes because it's through our witness. We already talked about this. Through our witness, people will be saved. Your story of how you stood and how you did and how you, you know, prepared for this time. And here's my biggest question for you. 
Are you looking? Right? Are you looking? Do you know the signs? Do you know what to be looking for? Because we're going to see next week that Jesus has taught his disciples and he teaches us, you should always be looking. And you should always be knowing and you should always be understanding. Because if you don't, and we're going to talk about this, if you don't, there are going to be people that weren't ready. I don't want us to be a people who aren't ready. Right? I want you to be a people that have a sense of urgency that would know and understand that Jesus is coming back and we need to be prepared. Not only are you prepared, this is my other question to you. Are you preparing your kids? Are you preparing God's children to be ready, to stand? Are they gonna be able to stand? When persecution comes, are your kids gonna be able to say, I will stand? Because I know what happens on the other end. I know what happens when you give in. I know what happens when you follow the Antichrist. I'm going to stand. Will they know or will they give in to that pressure that's coming in the world? Because it's coming. The pressure to give in is coming. Will they be prepared? Will you stand so I can pray for you? So Heavenly Father, we just know and understand that um, you give us these pictures and they're so beautiful, right? Lord, like when we, when we see those things, it's, it's difficult to wrap our mind around, but it is easy to go back to this. Lord, open my eyes so that I can see and prepare me for what's to come. I do not wanna be one of those people who weren't ready. I wanna be one of those people who are victorious can stand with you someday. And Lord, I pray that we will have a heart for the next generation and the generation after that. Lord, that we will prepare them for what's to come. We won't let culture keep preparing our kids. Lord, we're going to do it. We're going to prepare them and we're going to be ready because there's nothing more that we would want than our young people and our children to be prepared for what is to come so we can all be victorious. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
So I think for each one of us, let this be our challenge, right? Let us walk away asking ourselves these questions, right? Are we prepared and are we ready, right? I mean, that's the biggest thing. We walk away from here and we need to know, are you ready, are you prepared, and are we waiting? Because we already know he's coming back, right? We already know that that part's coming. So as a church, knowing that he's coming soon, whatever that means, the question for each one of us should be, are we ready and are we prepared? And are we preparing those around us? And are we not forgetting about those people that don't yet know, right? So as a church and as a, as a body of believers, may we be ones that are prepared, ready, ones that go out and help other people, people be prepared and ready so that we can see God glorified and so that we together as a church can celebrate. So thanks for being with us here at the main campus. Thanks for joining us online and we'll see you guys next week.